by Pearson Harnish, but a huge third down conversion. You got the game on? Yep. On the move, down to the 24-yard line of St. Francis. Who's winning? He won't say the score. Laid up and waited for the pass. Short drop Come out on, of the gun. who's winning? Rifles towards the right corner, complete to Vander Cooey, who steps across the plane. Ah, say the damn score. This is the Say the Damn Score podcast with your host, Logan Anderson. Welcome, everybody, to the Say the Damn Score podcast. We are broadcasting remotely for the first time. I should say recording remotely. We're not really broadcasting at this point. But we are at the Sioux City Comfort Inn for the NAIA Women's Tournament. I am joined by two good friends of mine in the NAIA ranks of sportscasting. Joel Morgan, the voice of Valley City State and the North Dakota Sportscaster of the Year. Steve Linsmeyer, the voice of the Jamestown Jimmies. And Steve, we'll start with you. How's it going? And uh, what's, how's your time in Sioux City so far? Well, I love being in Sioux City, first of all, because uh, this has kind of become a, uh, a every year spring break trip for me. But here's the thing, Logan, that I wanted to bring up is that I texted Joel like two days after I won North Dakota Sportscaster Year, and I said that the thing that's the biggest letdown so far being named North Dakota Sportscaster of the Year is that I was not big time enough to be immediately booked on the Say the Damn Sport the Score podcast. And then within two hours, you had texted us to say you wanted us on the show. So uh, I'm happy to be here. I'm looking forward to, to chatting a little bit about sportscasting, and um, let's let's do this thing. And Joel, I guess give us – we'll start with you first after he went on his spiel. We're not going to grovel at his feet quite yet oh, with his North Dakota <laughs> Sportscaster of the Year. Um, just tell us – a little bit of a Cliff Notes version of your story, uh, where you came from, how you got into sports casting. Uh, yeah, sure. I, I grew up in Chicago. I grew up on the, the north side in the Jefferson Park neighborhood. I, I grew up playing sports. Hockey was my main sport. I played lacrosse, wrestling. I played all sports at, at some point in my life. And um, high school got done, and I had some events in my life that kind of worked me towards the Twin Cities area. Actually, uh, some people think this is funny. I went to culinary school first. And I wanted to be a chef, and I wanted to run a restaurant. And then I moved to the Twin Cities, and I was doing that. And I wasn't really liking it. You know, I was 19, 20 at the time, and I was just kind of getting tired of it. And I realized this isn't what I want to do. And I really like sports. And, and someone said, you should check out this place, Brown College, in the, in the cities. A lot of broadcasters go there, and they have good careers, and they go on to do things and uh, do things in this industry. So I did it. And when I first got into it, I fell in love with the industry of, of just radio and, and, and commercials and of doing news, weather, sports, everything. And I and I got into radio with the hopes of getting into news. So that was my that was my first thing was I, I'm gonna be a news guy, I'm gonna do local news. And I got my first job in Fergus Falls, Minnesota. It was part time. I did news and I did traffic and I filled in the afternoons and a sports season rolled around and the sports director wanted me to do color on hockey games for him because I played and he told me about three weeks before basketball started, he says, well, we lost a guy. He moved out of town, and he was one of our freelancers, and we we want you to do basketball for us. And I said, well, I, you know, I, I've taken a play-by-play class. I've never done any games. I don't think I can do it. And at the time, this is not all that long ago, I was making $9 an hour and trying to make it in small-town radio. And he says, we'll give you 50 bucks a game. And I said, I'm your guy. <laughs> so I got into to broadcasting, and I started doing sports, and, and I loved it. And I love what it had to offer. I love what it gets to do to be a part of the community. And a uh, job opened up in Madison, South Dakota, and I was there for a couple of years. And uh, I did everything that you could do in, in radio. I did sales. I was on the morning show. Um, ton, tons of sports, plenty of sports. And, you know, I, I realized that I wanted to focus more on college. And I wanted that opportunity. And I had met Steve. And at the time, you were at presentation, so I had known you and, and kind of worked my way around the North Star covering Dakota State. And uh, Valley City State had an opening, and I applied for the job, and and Steve vouched for me. He had to he had to lie a lot. Yeah, I did. I, had, I I went out on a ledge for you, man. He 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 made up a lot of good things about me, and and he got me to this opportunity to go uh, broadcast sports for Valley City State, and I've been very fortunate in my first season here, and uh, I get myself a trip to the national tournament. Steve, we're going to just ask you the same question before we get into what I assume is going to be one of the more freewheeling. Uh, episodes of the podcast that we've had but we'll start off under control for now what was your story getting into sports casting well i actually went to college at wisconsin river falls to uh to get into teaching and that was what i wanted to do i wanted to be a a social studies teacher and then i ended up thinking maybe a math teacher that's what my mom does and 
I've always been uh, pretty uh, pretty gifted in the math area of things. So I kind of went into to college to do that. And um, my late in my freshman year, I think it yeah, was actually, well, it was midway through my freshman year, uh, they sent out an email that said, um, we're looking for somebody to do to do games for the University of Wisconsin River Falls women's team, and um, I decided to uh, to kind of give it a shot. And to this day, I don't know what uh, what possessed me to do it, or why I decided I should give it a try, or why I thought I'd even be good enough to do it. Um, and so I, I did it, and uh, I just I kind of quick I quickly realized that as I you know did more games and. It was always the the highlight of my week when I got to do a game. It was like I was always building towards the next game, and uh, I decided that uh, I kind of wanted to to give it a shot, see if I could make a make a living, you know, going around to games and being able to broadcast and, and be a, around a team and you know have all these great opportunities to come to places like Sioux City, and I've you know gone to Branson and uh, I've I did a game in New Mexico. I mean, it's opened up so many you know doors for me just to to go around the country and to meet people and. Uh, it really it, it it became something that uh, I really couldn't shake, and I decided that I wanted to you know give it a try. So I'm going to tell you a little story that I don't think I've ever told you before because the very first time we met was at a Jamestown football game, and you didn't have any spotting charts. You had a roster and nothing else, and I'm like, who is this hack who doesn't even make spotting charts? Since then, I've listened to you a lot. You're very good, obviously, North Dakota Sportscaster of the Year, but you're still the only broadcaster that I know who doesn't use any spotting charts. How Do you have a photographic memory? Do you make lots of notes on some place that I don't see? What is your method for being prepared? Well, it, it's it's different because, like, I, I don't, I don't get like I don't remember things by writing it down, and during the game I don't I don't look at them. I, I remember things by reading, by just going through. I, I don't I don't study well. That's kind of been my thing. Even in high school, I, I don't study well. But I I can I just there's things that I you know pick up. Sports to me is always just sort of stuck. Um, you know I, I I can't explain it. I, I don't I mean I know I know you've been you've been kind of always sort of like hot. You know I I don't get it. Like and uh, I mean that's just. I can't really explain it to you. It's just been one of those things that I, I started doing it without him and uh, found it found a niche to to be able to do it. So I I don't know. I, I can't explain it. I think it's funny that you you talk about first meeting stories between the three of us and about being prepared. And I don't think I've ever told Steve this story, but the first time I ever met you, Logan, we were at, you were you were covering presentation and the the. Uh, North Star Athletic Association softball conference tournament was in Madison and we weren't broadcasting but I was working at the radio station there and, and I had heard the name before and we had a mutual friend JJ uh, Johnson who I went to college with and I get a phone call and someone looking for the uh, the sports director at KJM radio and it, it was hey this is Logan Anderson uh, from Presentation College I'm really embarrassed to, to call you and tell you this but I forgot my headset and I have to broadcast this uh, North Star Athletic Association conference softball tournament can i borrow a headset so you you came into the station and you picked up the headset and, and you let you use it for the weekend so uh i, I don't know, i think that that's kind of funny because you're just talking about stuff for games like that and that is a 100 percent true story and i was really worried that you weren't going to give it to me because i didn't didn't know anyone in person there and it would be easy to just walk away with and obviously those headsets aren't cheap but it did work out <laughs> and we got it on the air and life was good but you know Joel we'll go back to this you initially wanted to be a chef yeah and work at a restaurant like what appealed to you about that and what maybe uh, things that you learned in that time of your life are applicable towards sports casting. Before you answer this, I just want to—I just want to let people know we live thirty miles apart, and you've never invited me over for dinner. <laughs> well, I think I think we're going to have to get that in the future. But uh, you know, I, I always had an interest in cooking. I, I like to put stuff together and try new recipes, and uh, I was pretty good at it. I, I did well in culinary school. I was always uh, one of the top top students in, in classes that I took, and I had worked in my first job ever was as a dishwasher and I worked my way up to line cook and um, you know I, I really liked it and and I think what I took from from working in restaurants and I used this in my first job interview is uh, and I think this applies just to being in radio in general is a willingness to have to do so much and uh, my general manager asked me in my first job interview he says what did you learn working in restaurants that that would make you a good employee here and I said uh, I, I've been a dishwasher 
before after being named a kitchen supervisor. And he said, what does that have to do with, you know, explain that. And I said, well, the dishwasher called in sick, so I had to become the dishwasher during a dinner rush on a Saturday at a restaurant in downtown St. Paul. So I, I had to learn how to do that. I had to learn to work out, work every station. I had to learn flexibility. I had to learn doing stuff on the fly. I had to learn to work long hours and work weekends and miss holidays and miss obligations or miss things like that. And uh, I, I think working a schedule like that, working an intense job like that, it has really made the transition into becoming a broadcaster so much easier. And, you know, I, I say that I didn't want to work in restaurants because I didn't want to work every week and I didn't want to work nights and I didn't want to work holidays. And uh, preferably, I don't think anyone wants to do that. But when it's something you really love and something you really enjoy doing, like I, I am with broadcasting, you don't feel like you're missing all that much all the time. You know, there's those times where you wish you were more flexible for your friends and family. But uh, I think that that's the principle I walked away from my years in restaurants with. And this question is for both of you guys, and you can answer it however you want. I'll let you guys fight over who talks first. But you guys are both from different places. You're from Minnesota. Steve is from Minnesota originally, and Joel is from Chicago. And I talked to somebody once saying, oh, you have to move up from NAIA to Division Three, and then get to D2 to get to your D1 spot that you eventually would love to end up at. And I was surprised because... In Nebraska and Iowa, the places that I had been in South Dakota, NAI was considered almost higher than Division Three. And I guess what do you guys see is the difference both in perception and reality between broadcasting in the NAI and broadcasting in Division Three? You know, I don't know. I mean, I've done both. Um, I spent five years at Wisconsin River Falls. Granted, it was, you know, student radio. They don't have a uh, professional station that covers them. Um, so, you know, I've had a chance to do both. I've obviously got some friends still uh, that broadcast games in uh, in the D3, and I'd say it's comparable. I mean, I don't think it's necessarily a, uh, you know, a step up or a step down. I would say it's pretty much a, a lateral move. I mean, in my in my, in my my opinion, I think they're pretty much on the same level. I, In terms of uh, c- competitiveness of the leagues, in terms of the players on the floor, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. I think it's, per- it's very similar. You just – you get a little bit of scholarship money in the NAI. That's really the only difference. Yeah, I would say that it's it's that the guys played in the NAI are getting scholarships and they're getting uh, money towards their education. But in terms of community interest and, and interest amongst the athletes and in a fan base, I think I think they're the same. I think people get caught up too much, and Steve could probably attest to that, as they get caught up in that uh, NCAA label that's not put on sports. I think because it's not on there, all of a sudden it's a different caliber of sports. I've seen some very, very good athletes compete in the NAI. And I've seen some athletes who have done good things at Division Two and Division Three levels and, and go on to the NAI and and uh, feel the level of competition is the same. So I, I think there is so much parity amongst NAI and Division Three. I think it, it, the difference is um, where the schools are located and uh, that NCAA label and the scholarship money that athletes are getting. I will say this, uh, coming from a place that didn't have any NAI schools, I mean, Wisconsin's got like three and Minnesota's got none I mean that's all I knew until I moved to North Dakota and took the job you know with the Jimmys is that you know not many people you know it's just it's what you're used to you know in terms of um, you know either the the D3 or the NAI because like Joel said it's it's location with each of those leagues I mean uh, like you look at Iowa and one half of the state is NAI the other half's D3 pretty much I mean that's just kind of you know how it works out so uh, I think it's just it's kind of what you're used to, but I would say they're very comparable. So how did you end up getting the job in Jamestown, North Dakota? What um, kind of catalyzed that move into the state of North Dakota? Well, I was I'd been you know looking at jobs on different websites and trying to find something that uh, you know I I thought I would be good at or you know was in my wheelhouse of somebody coming right out of college and um, I saw the job opening in Jamestown and. Uh, I really wanted to get back into college because I was working part-time doing high school games. And, I mean, I I think Joel would agree. It's just I the college game to me is, you know, it's, is where I want to do college games. That's just what I, you know, what I want to be doing. And so when I got out of, out of doing River Falls games, I was, you know, doing high school games part-time. And I was, you know, wanting to get back into the college thing. And I saw the opening in, in Jamestown. I thought, it was middle of the season. It was, you know, end of October. Football season was wrapping up. Basketball season was, you know, already underway in the NAI. I was kind of like, you know, do, do I really want to try to jump in somewhere uh, mid-season? And I sent him my stuff, and I, I decided to go for it. And within 40 minutes, I had a, 
an interview scheduled for the next following Monday to, to go out to Jamestown and, and interview. So it really all happened quickly, and I wasn't even sure that it was something right away that I wanted to do. But I came to Jamestown. I, uh, I met with some of the people that I'd be working with, and uh, it really was just you know the, the right fit for me, and I, I'm glad I'm there. And giving this back to Joel, just with a little bit of a different background where you're, you're from Chicago and then spent a lot of time in the Twin Cities, you went to small towns where before you went to Valley City, but what was your first reaction moving from the big city to take small town radio job? You know, it, I knew it was going to be some adjustment, obviously, and it was going to be a change. And, um, you know, initially it was a little hard to, 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 to comprehend or wrap my head around. You know, you're, uh, when it comes to shopping, you're far away from places. Um, you don't have all, you know, if I want to go see the Twins or the Timberwolves when I was living in the cities, I, I did that a whole lot in college. And, it, you know, you can make that decision half an hour before game time instead of having to make this whole plan on to do all these things. Um, you know, the culture is so different. Everyone knows everyone, and it's a tight-knit community. And I and I think it's not that I never embraced it. I didn't understand it at first. And I think uh, the key to living, going from a big city to a small town is to just to embrace every aspect of it. And when I go back home for the holidays, that's the first thing people ask me is, how do you go from Chicago? You know, the neighborhood I grew up in in Chicago, you identify what neighborhood you grew up in. I grew up in Jefferson Park. Uh, last census had it at 25,500 people. That's about five times bigger than Valley, maybe a little bit less, maybe three times bigger than Valley. But it's just a matter of embracing the culture and embracing the community and, and wanting to be a part of it and, and doing stuff. You know, I was trying to become a part of Rotary before I moved and, and um, you know, get involved in, in a church if that's what you like or something. And, and I think it's just it was a matter of uh, buying into it and buying into that uh, what the town had to offer and, and, and what is the big thing to do there and, and where you fit as a, as a broadcaster because you're instantly a part of that community. I don't think I can count how many family photos I get to be in you know, with the player of the game award or a big game or a trophy or something. So uh, I think it was just a matter of buying in and, and wanting to be a part of that community. And I'll say this for Joel. I, I have been extremely impressed with how he has, you know, put himself, you know, out there in the community and getting involved with, you know, the people. And uh, you're, here's, you're much farther along in one year than I was in Jamestown after one year. I mean, there's there's no doubt about that. I mean, I was – you know, coming in for a legend in Mark McKenzie who was there for 26 years. And there was a little bit of, uh, you know, people that were, you know, hesitant to, you know, go after somebody, you know, to to listen to somebody new and, you know, let them be involved as much as, you know, I would like to be. And now I feel like I'm obviously, I mean, I've been there six years. It's a little different now. But Joel, after one year, is, is really embraced the community to a level that I didn't after my first year. How difficult, go more into that, how difficult was it to follow someone who, had been there forever as you know mostly my experience I've either followed someone who burned a bridge and was not that popular or someone who had been there a long time but was well liked in the community but not necessarily a real broadcaster following a broadcast legend locally how difficult was that and how did you accomplish it well it was it was tough right away I mean I think three days into me working there there was a, a snide remark in the paper by Dave, by the legendary Jamestown Sun sports writer Dave Selvig you know just kind of you know saying something it wasn't even really about me it was just about the the coverage in general of the of the teams and you know, I'm thinking okay well, I gotta I gotta step up my game here a little bit I mean this is three days in and they're already taking pot shots at me in the in the paper I mean it, it wasn't you know necessarily maybe as bad as you I mean, it wasn't terrible. I'm not like it was, you know, they were coming after me or anything, but it was just, it was different. I mean, the there was, we had one sponsor who, who didn't want to continue with the Jimmy games. Who didn't want to continue, you know, being a part of the Jimmy broadcast that they had been a part of for, you know, 30, 25, 30 years that, uh, you know, they had such a great relationship with the guy before him. So, uh, before me, so I had to, uh, you know, I had to, you know, bent, uh, you know, build some bridges between people and get a chance to, you know, get out there and, and meet people who didn't necessarily, um, you know, weren't ready for Mark McKenzie to, to step down because he kind of, you know, he was still kind of in his prime when he, you know, when he, when he decided he didn't want to do it anymore. So it was, it was tough, but I, I like to think I'm a, I'm a people person and I think I've won them over by now. Was it a, and maybe you don't have to answer this if you don't want to, but was it a he forced to step down or he wanted to step down situation? He, he wanted to step away. He wanted to, you know, do less. And now he's coming back and doing, you know, some games for us on the side, and I think people like that. And I think it's been enough time where 
I've established myself, and now it's it's okay for him to come back and you know start doing some games. So the NAIA for broadcasters is basically the wild west of sportscasting in many many ways. There's uh, constant travel on crappy buses and uh, a I'm, lot of a lot of strange broadcast locations. And my travel's only going to get worse here over the next <laughs> couple of years with the with the conferences changing. At least you'll know that most of the places are going to have uh, a. Equipment that works at GPAC locations. But give us some travel stories and uh, just how you're able to, you know, function as a human being and get everything, all of your other work done and the other parts of your job while uh, going all over the country on your Jimmy bus. Well, I I can't speak for Joel, but uh, I I love being on the road. I mean, I, I enjoy, you know, being a part of something that, you know, is bigger than myself, being with the team, being you know, at, at shoot around and, you know, just doing all that stuff. I, I find it, uh, you know, uh, and it's something different of not being in the office. I'm not a guy that loves being in the office. I'll, I'll tell you that right now. I'm, I like to be at games. I like to be on the road. I like to, you know, be out there, you know, interacting with people. And, um, so I, I love being on the road. I don't know if I have a story. I can probably come up with one here in the next few minutes, but, um, I, for me, that's what I love doing. I don't know about you, Joel. Yeah. It, it's an interesting life t- to be on the road and to go on stretches of not being home and, and not being around. And, uh, you know, the home life, it, it gets a little a little different where, uh, you know, if you know you're going to be gone a stretch, I, I you know, I got to make sure the dishes are done and they're not sitting in the sink and I got to get my clothes ready for, for a good stretch here because I don't know the next time I'm going to do laundry. And uh, I got to clean out the fridge to make sure that there's no food that goes bad. At least these are what I'd like to do before I go on yeah. the road. And I think I do them I, uh, maybe uh, 60% of the time, but um, – you know, there's that day before long road trip where you know you're going to be at the office a little bit later because uh, you want to make sure that every you know everything is covered as much as you can to the best of your ability. Uh, there's a lot of work on a laptop. You know, with the way technology is, you're never really not working. You know, uh, you can kind of work from anywhere you're going. So, um, you you know, you learn to to work around that stuff and, and get as much as you can. But um, you know, there's there's long nights. You know, in the NAI, you're coming back at. Uh, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning, and uh, sometimes, you know, you have to turn around and do a game the next day, and you, and you get the most of your sleep, and uh, sometimes uh, a Sunday off, you feel like you've had a whole weekend, because you get to sit home for Sunday all day and not have to do anything and, and get charged up for the next week. And sometimes you haven't, you didn't get home till 4 in the morning on, on Sunday, and then, you know, it's a, it's a long weekend. I mean, I've had trips, uh, I remember one coming back from Billings, we played at MSU Billings at 7 o'clock Mountain Time, which is 8 o'clock Jamestown Time, and then took the eight-hour bus ride home and got home when the sun was coming up at 7 in the morning. So there's been some long, long nights when you're talking about the NAI basketball. I think, I think travel has has benefited me and, 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 uh, and, and my family. You know, you don't get a lot of opportunities to see your family, and uh, road trips work out for me. Uh, when I was at Dak State, we played a game out in – Davenport against St. Ambrose, which is a good uh, three-hour drive from Chicago. So I, I made a weekend of it with my parents, and they came out, and I went down with the team, and we drove back to Madison. Uh, when the Legion baseball team went down to the region tournament this last summer in Valley City, my parents met me in Wisconsin. We went out there. Uh, VCSU football went to Lakeland, Florida, and I have a cousin who lives in that area, and, and she just had a baby, so I got a chance to fly out there and stay with her and, and see family. So any opportunity you get to, to turn it into a chance to see family and friends, I, I, I always take advantage of those opportunities. Yeah, and that's true. I mean, my sister lives in La Crosse, so I've got, I mean, when the Jimmys are at Viterbo, get a chance to, to spend time with her. So there are, you know, some, some pluses to it when you, when you know people and are able to connect with some people in different cities. One of the things that I always thought when I was on those long late-night bus trips is, and maybe this is just a weird idiosyncrasy about me, but when everyone, like, right away there's movies on and everyone's being loud and making jokes that can never be repeated on the air, so on and so forth. But then once it started getting quiet and you just have those headphones on and you just see everything passing by, that's when I was always able to just reflect and I just always thought, this is me getting a little bit closer to making it farther and paying my dues and uh, doing things that other people aren't. Am I just crazy of that? Do you guys get that no, same feeling? No, I, I have those moments where it's like, um, you know, I I did Rotsay, Minnesota basketball. That was one of the teams I covered in my first job. And 
uh, you know, talk about rough broadcasting conditions, not to knock any of those schools in that conference out there, but it's small schools in Minnesota, the smallest class you can play. And I remember covering Ratze, uh, the girls had a long losing streak and the boys had like a 40-game losing streak and doing these games where they're losing by 40 or 50 points and, and thinking, uh, you know, four years ago that's where I was. You know, I'm, I'm six years ago I did my first basketball game, just unbelievably scared that I was going to mess it up, and I know I did mess it up. And now I'm, uh, you know, I walked into the Tyson Event Center with the team yesterday and I said, um, this is not where I want to end up. In in the sense that you know I want to go further than this, but uh, I'm going to sit here and enjoy the fact that this is what I'm doing now, and I've gotten this far, and it's only going to get uh, it's only going to get as far as I want to take it, and, and I think my best days are still ahead of me. But uh, to go from broadcasting games in uh, Pelican Rapids, Minnesota, to being at the Tyson Event Center for the NAI National Tournament is a pretty uh, it's amazing and it is a blessing. I think you're right; those road trips are for me are moments. It's like uh, now they're not always those thoughts. Sometimes it's like, what am I doing here on a bus from from Forest City, Iowa, coming back to to Valley City, and at, you know, getting home at four o'clock in the morning. But uh, you do get those moments where you really appreciate, um, you know, where you've come and what you've done, and and you know that this is getting you closer to where you want to be. And see, the last week or so, I've been kind of having some of the, you know, some of the thoughts of. Uh, what's the word? Just that I'm, you know, in a spot where I'm in a I'm in a good spot. Yes, I would I would love to move on someday. I would love to, you know, go somewhere else. But in the last, you know, week I've been at my sixth West Region basketball tournament for the Blue Jays, uh, who are the high school team that I cover, and then uh, you know my sixth national tournament uh, with the Jimmy Women. That it's like you know I've been doing this for for a while now, and you know I'm I, I love going to the West Region tournament. I love coming to Sioux City and, and being here. That you know, if if this is the end of the road for my career, if this is where I'm going to spend the next 30 years, I'm okay with that. What are each of your career broadcasting goals? What do you want out of the rest of your career? Uh, I want the job that pays me like a million dollars a year, and I only have to do one season of sports, and I get to spend the rest uh, on a beach somewhere, uh, sipping Red Bulls and taking in the sun. Uh, no, I you know I I, I think it changes. Uh, I think I have the basic uh, outline of it. I, I'd love to do uh, college sports. Uh, you know, I'd love to go up to a higher level. I'd like to have a job that involves traveling. I'd like to uh, be going around. It'd be nicer if more of those trips were on planes. Um, you know, the the dream was always minor league baseball, and, and that's still, uh, you know, something that I, I still think about a lot and, and the opportunity to make that move. You know, minor league broadcasters get paid the same or less than minor league baseball players and those who follow sports know that the pay isn't great. So I think uh, financially the situation has to be a little bit better for me. Um, but I, I just think that to have the opportunity to do this uh, the rest of my life and make a living at it, I, I think is uh, what I want. And, and I think those other things are, are achievable and things I want to do. But I guess that that would just be the, the basic outline. And, um, you know, that may change, but to be around not just sports broadcasting, but be around the radio industry and, and be a part of that day in and day out is where I want to be. For me, um, obviously, I mean, my dream job would to be one of the 32 NFL radio guys, you know, for for an NFL team. That would be the ultimate dream. But, um, you know, I would I just want to do Division One somewhere. I want to I want to go somewhere where I can be there for a long time. And if if it's Jamestown, like I just said a few minutes ago, that's that's great. I've enjoyed my time here in the past six years. And uh, if this is the end of the road, great. But you know, I would love to. I want to go somewhere where I can, you know, be there for 30 years and I can, you know, be, you know, be part of that culture, be a part of, you know, a team's, um, you know, what, what, when you think about that team, you think about listening to games on the radio with, you know, I have the same, I have the same thing with like the Packers, you know, I listen to Wayne Larravee all the time. I mean, I, I'd like to go somewhere where I can be, you know, along with the culture of the program. You know, one of the things you both kind of started alluding towards, but never really got to was that, you know, sometimes it's just a hell of a lot of fun to be the big fish in the small proverbial pond. I guess what are the perks and what do you enjoy about that aspect of uh, that aspect of being where you are? I, 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 lo- I call it being the man and, and I love being the man and I, and I've, you're not the man. I'm not the man. No, but I, I've, I've, I've learned from the man, Craig Olson and, and Jeff Swedberg, they were the man in, in Fergus Falls and that portion, that Lake Region portion of Minnesota. And 
Um, you know, there's the man in, in South Dakota, Mike Hendrickson, and, and Gary, as you know, he's the man. Those guys, you know, you, you're going around sports circles over there, and, and Tim Smith and Mitchell, and it's like those – they're part of that culture and they're part of that sports history and and it's it, it, and my first real great experience with it was this last summer. Uh, I've covered state championship teams and usually they go into the state championship and you know they're going to win. And not that I, it takes away from the excitement of it, but I covered the uh, the uh, Valley City Legion baseball team and uh, they were the worst team in their region and they actually needed to play a play-in game just to get into the region tournament. It was a nine o'clock in the morning game in West Fargo and I did the game and they won. And they went up against Grafton, which was the team everyone picked to win the whole tournament. Well, they beat Grafton. And all of a sudden, before you know it, they're, they're one game away from, uh, from going on to state. And I had not broadcast any games at my time in Valley City yet. It wasn't during sports season. It wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't ready for, for us to start doing games. And uh, so all of a sudden they go on to state and say, like, oh, this is going to be fun. We'll get to go to Dickinson for a couple days. And they're probably, you know, they may go two and out. They may win one and surprise us. Well, they go on and they run the table at the State Legion Baseball Tournament in Dickinson and they win the championship in a walk-off win in the bottom of the ninth inning uh, against Wapaton, who's a powerhouse in, in baseball in this area. And uh, I, I remember my first, like, this is what it's, you know, being the man moment kind of was, is they had a, a brat feed to raise money to go on to the West Region Tournament, which was in Wilpon, Wisconsin. And I show up and I, I tell you, I met every grandma, Every aunt, every uncle, every member of that Valley City community and people, oh, you're Joel. I, oh, you did such a great job. It was good to hear you. It was amazing. It was fun. And um, my general manager said no one knew who you were two weeks ago. And all of a sudden you get a chance to, to meet all these people. And that, those are the experiences. That's what it's like to, to be that position, to be the, you know, the, the big, big fish in the small pond is uh, you're a part of these people's careers and their culture and, and the sports community. And, um, you know, I always hate saying this because it makes me feel like I'm more important than I am. But, you know, we become, you know, me and Steve and, and you over there in Vermillion, is, you become pillars of the community. You become a part of everyone's day-to-day, uh, -day, uh, not just in sports, but everything else you do in, in, in radio and beyond the air. And I think that that's one of the big benefits you get from being a part of that. I've always felt uncomfortable when just someone that I have no idea who they are comes up to me in the grocery store and says, Oh, you sounded really good. Like, Logan, how, how's it going? And I'm like, I don't know who you are, and I don't know what to say to you. How do you guys feel? I guess we know how you feel, Joel. Steve, how do you feel about that dynamic? You know, I I think uh, it it really validates what we do. I mean, really. I mean, it's yeah, it's a little uncomfortable because it's, you know, you, you kind of feel like you're like, okay, yeah, like I don't know why you know me or, you know, whatever. But you like Joel said, you are a part of the community. These people do know who you are, and, you know, it, it validates that there's people actually that do listen. You know, the time that we put in, sometimes it feels like there's not people listening. But, you know, at, you know, like those games you were talking about, Joel, where it's, you know, you're in the middle of nowhere and you're, you're doing a game that it's a 40-point blowout and, you know, you feel like nobody's listening. But then there are those games and those are those times when, you know, somebody's grandma's listening or, you know, someone's aunt's uncle, you know, whatever. It's all these different people that do, in fact, tune in. So for me... I appreciate it just because it does validate, I think, what we do and why we put in all of the long hours. Now, going back to your to your last question about you know what Joel just answered there is that the the be the man thing. Joel and I get to kind of call our own shots a little bit with what games we do and you know cover. For example, like if we if we would have got back earlier this week, one of us could have pulled rank and said we want to do the Region Three Championship game. You know, and, you know, been able to do that. So that's, you know, we've been put in a position where we kind of get to, you know, make our decisions and, and things like that. So, I mean, I, I enjoy that aspect of it. And just, you know, being able to, you know, be a part of it is, is what, what's in it for me. I like just being a part of something that's bigger than, bigger than myself. I want to go back to something that we talked about earlier. If this was an actual talk show, this would probably be a bad thing, but it's a podcast. So I'm going to do whatever the hell I want. And, we talked about, you know, becoming a part of a community as an outsider. And, you, Joel, you talked a little bit about that. What are some of the things you did to get the community to buy into you? And Steve is pointing his finger like he wants to say something. Well, I want to talk about what Joel said about, you know, that was a, that was a great door for you, that, that state championship run uh, for the Legion team and the, going on to the, the tournament in Wisconsin. That was a great door opener for me and or for you, excuse me. 
And uh, it's all about him. So. <laughs> well, and and I didn't have that door opener really until it was my second or third year, you know, getting a chance to call games when the Jamestown High volleyball team uh, won the state championship. Because then, you know that that opens the doors. You see what people are, you know, in, invested in what people listen. And and so, I mean, you had a you had a great opportunity there first couple weeks on the job. You know, I, I think to. To get people to buy into to having you be there and to be a part of it is just uh, show you care. You know, you go that extra mile and maybe you, uh, you know, you do that extra story for your sports about that kid who uh, broke some record that the school had or some weird family connection or, um, you know, just put the most into it and, um, you know, shake a lot of hands and introduce yourself to a lot of people and, uh, you know, hope for the best and, you know the 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 hard part of this job, for at least from my experience, is you 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 come in and you plug into a town and then you pack up your stuff a couple of years later and you move on to the next thing, and um, you know you 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 miss the comfortability and you miss um, you know I used to say it's so hard to leave after a game because you talk to so many people, you talk to the other broadcasters, you talk to the coaches, you talk to the parents, you talk to the players, and um, you know the game ended 45 minutes ago. And you're not even out the door yet. And uh, you know when I got to Valley, I said, "Oh, I'm I'm I'm, I'm gonna miss I'm, I miss that in South Dakota, and I want that. And I and I and I know from my experience now from each job that I had what it takes to get back to that level. And um, you just you put yourself out there, and and um, you know sometimes you you have those uh, awkward conversations with people you don't really know until you get to know them, and, and then it just becomes second nature. And then, um, you know, you find out who you like to talk to in the community and what you like to do in the community, and um, you just you, you just kind of go all in. You kind of jump in with both feet. And, you know, I've had my experiences doing that, and I've, I did pretty well with it in my first two positions in Denison, Iowa, and in Aberdeen. The cha- it's been a little bit more challenging for me in Vermilion because I don't actually live in the town. I live about a half hour away. I commute every day, and I usually don't stay late because my fiance also commutes from the other direction. And you know, if you're in sports casting, you don't get to be home very much at night. So I try to take advantage of those times. So it's been more difficult. But what's always worked for me, I, I know one time my first job out of college was in Denison, Iowa, and I. I just went, I got tired of being bored on weekends, so I just went to the bar, and I went and I just sat at every single table and introduced myself to every single person at the bar and got so many just, who the hell are you looks, but ended up making a couple friends that eventually turned into roommates, and I guess the whole point of this story, though, is because when you're new in a community, it's hard to just go up to a grown adult man and say, I want to be your friend. Like, I, how do you find I, I a social network and a social group to hang out with? I don't know if that's necessarily a broadcast problem. I think that's just a life problem, you know, is finding people to, to, to be your friend, especially as, as a guy, I think. Uh, the problem I kind of I, I struggle with, I guess, would be... Is that you're an unlikable human? Well, I, I think that, that that's a given, uh, <laughs> you know, and I still give you that who the hell are you look anytime I see you. But, uh, you know, living in Fergus Falls, I made a lot of friends in the Fargo area. And one of the advantages for me moving back to Valley City is being on Fargo, being close to Fargo, you know, on the other side of it, an hour, 45-minute drive, you know, and and um, all my friends living in Fargo and, and, you know, on the weekends, especially in the summer, it's like, hey, come out here, let's do this, let's do that, and let's do this. And, and I don't want to be that guy who doesn't live in the town uh, that he works in. If he doesn't, you know, it doesn't have to. I'm, I'm invested in being in a part of Valley City, and as much as I was invested in being a part of Madison and, and all those little towns there, as much as I was invested in being a part of Fergus Falls, and, um, you know, I know your situation's different as to why you're, you're, you're not in the town you're working in, but, I, you know, I don't want to make everything I do outside of that town. So I think that is kind of the struggle I have is that my, my friend base is, is, is outside of town and, and close enough that it's, it's reasonable to go out there and see them, but... Uh, you know, I think this next summer coming around, I have a year under my belt, and I've met so many people that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll be able to spend more of my social life and make a Valley City a part of that. Working in small town radio where you have to do a ton of things and not everybody is necessarily qualified for the job they have or competent at the job they have, and we're not going to say any names here, but it, it can be difficult and frustrating We've all gone through it, 
what is the best way to handle situations like that, where you have to do a whole bunch of things in a short amount of time, somebody else is not doing their job and not allowing you to do it? How do you diplomatically handle that situation? Well, I just think, I mean, you just really got to be honest with people. I mean, you can't, obviously, there's some lines you can't cross and things like that. But, you know, I think you just got to, you know, try to try to help people understand, you know, what they need to be doing. And, and uh, I mean, I don't know, you just, you, you got to try to give them pointers without making it seem like you know everything that you're, you know, you're talking about. Because I don't. I mean, when I try to help somebody, I don't know everything about it. You got to, you got to make sure that uh, people understand you're there you know, not only for, you know, for the betterment of the radio station, but for the betterment of what they're doing. Yeah, and, and that's just it. And, and it's it's hard to, I think it's human nature to come into a situation and think that you don't know everything or your way is better because that's the way you always did it. And, and it is direct conversations. I couldn't tell you, uh, hey man, if, if me and Steve got $5 for every time we raised our voices with each other or hung up on each other, I think, we can go to Cancun this summer, right? <laughs> for all expenses paid, um, you know. And and Steve uh, has been at the company, uh, you know, a whole lot longer than me. But we've been doing this about the same amount of time, and um, we see things differently. But uh, as hard as it is to to have to talk to each other and be honest and uh, stir each other up, I, I think uh, that's the best way to approach it. And um, sometimes you just, you know, I hate to say it, it, it sometimes it comes down to you know what I've done my part. And if this doesn't go right, that's on this person. You know, one of the things that I thought about after you touched on that was you can you talked about doing things different ways and having people do different methods of trying to do the same thing. One of the advantages of small town radio is that you can experiment and try things in different ways without a whole lot of consequences if everything just completely bombs. Do you guys have any examples of that? Uh, you mean just trying stuff out and not having it? It maybe it worked spectacularly, but just trying something new that you didn't know if it was going to work. And well, we totally. I mean, but this was a little bit before. Well, was did we go to Teamspeak when you were here? Were that, you, you, you were already involved in Teamspeak okay, yeah. when I got in. Well, we went to you know a whole new whole new broadcast, um, you know units and and whatever. And I mean, there were some there were some growing pains with it. I guess I don't know if that's what you're you're talking about, but we you know we kinda... I remember more like inside of your broadcast trying. Oh. Uh, an element or maybe inside your talk show you know, or something I, that just has a chance of failing but maybe ended up being great? I think really early on in my career, really early on broadcasting, uh, there's definitely things I, I, I tried to do, like stars of the game or, or certain things I said in my broadcast or way I did a broadcast. And um, I, you know, I always figured it doesn't work out, you know, as long as it doesn't catch on and I stop doing it, people won't notice and, uh, I, I, you know, off the top of my head, I couldn't name some things that I tried and, and haven't worked. I think there's there's stuff that I've done for years that's worked. And then I'll look at it and say, you know what, I'm going to try it a little bit different. Uh, you know, the way I prep for games or the way I say this or the way I do my pregame. Um, and it, it's a constant trying to improve and trying to trying to, to do it differently. But uh, I definitely say those first few years were some proving grounds. There's definitely a lot of things that I tried and failed and it didn't work out. Well, my thing is, I think just you know, trying to find something when every time I listen to myself that maybe you know I need to do better on. You know, for example, you brought up last week about uh, having possession. Who has possession of the ball? You know, you gotta you gotta try to make sure you weave those things in. And today, when I did my broadcast, I made you know I was that was one point of emphasis for me where I try to you know fold stuff in you know as we go. And really, it just I think it all just kind of builds on each other broadcast horror stories there's some of the things that i find the most interesting situations where maybe your location was awful or where everything just went horribly oh, wrong I, something really weird happened you guys know the podcast give us a couple of them oh I, i'll tell you a lot of this goes back to my first couple of years in radio i was doing a hillcrest high school girls basketball game against rotsay and it was uh, minnesota does the sections with the pigtails and in lower levels where the lower two teams have to play and to get into the tournament and i had done rotsay and hillcrest girls basketball all season long, and I've seen these teams so many times. And it was on a Monday night, and I said, "Man, this is gonna be this is gonna be cake." I, I'm gonna I can walk into that gym, you know, 20 minutes before tip off, and and I know the players, I know who's starting, I know who does what, and it's gonna be a very easy game, and it's gonna be an easy 50 bucks. And I get there, and we're using phone lines, and I'm calling, and no one's answering, and I'm calling, and no one's answering, I'm calling, and no one's answering, and finally, I I realize, I said, I don't think anyone's there. 
So I call the sports director, and he says, well, I'll come in there. And I'm talking to him on my cell phone, and he says, you know, I don't know how to use this equipment. I never come into the studio. And, uh, and I said, well, I said, this is what we can do. I'm going to get you. You get me on air, and I'm not going to take any commercial breaks until you can get someone in who can show you how to take commercial breaks. And as this is happening, I realize that we're right at the national anthem. We're right at the start of this game. And I'm trying to walk him through this. I don't want to be rude and talking over the anthem. So I have my jacket open, and, and, I, and I go inside of my jacket like this, and then I go under the table, and it's like uh, covert operation. And I'm, I'm whispering to him well, just what, I, what needs to get done, and then I pop my head up, and it's game time. And uh, eventually... The board op showed up. He was really late, and we got the games on air, and, and everything went okay, I think. But, uh, you know, that was one of them. Uh, doing soccer in Minnesota, it's not a very big sport. Uh, there's not a lot of press boxes at fields you're going to, and I remember going to St. Cloud for the section semifinals at the soccer complex with no press boxes, and I sat in the front seat of my uh, Ford Escape, and my steering wheel was my board, and I had my power pack, and I broadcast the game, and, and that's how I did it. That was the only way I could do it. And it was funny because Fergus Falls had two soccer, two schools. They had the private and the public, and the public was the Otters and the private was the Comets. And I may have said Otters a couple times when I met Comets. And some mom came up to my car and she says, I'm sitting there with a headset and a spotting chart and all this stuff. And she goes, are you broadcasting the game? And, you know, my first instinct was some smart alecky answer. Oh, no, I just sit in the front seat of my car watching soccer with headsets and talk to myself on a consistent basis, which, if you know me, might actually make sense. But uh, that was difficult to, to broadcast sitting in my car watching a game. I had a lot of games like that where I, I sat in my car and broadcast. One of my horror stories has nothing to do with what I was doing. It was what was happening in front of me as the game was going on. The two teams I covered in a doubleheader lost by a combined 109 points, and it was the longest night of my life because the boys' team had their two best players out, and they lost by 56, and the girls lost by 53. It was a train wreck of a broadcast because at this point, I, my, my, I'm just so out of the fact that this game's even happening in front of me. <laughs> it was, I mean, it was unbelievably the longest night of my life in terms of broadcasting because the games were, both of them were over as soon as it tipped off. I mean, it was 10, 15 point leads as soon as the game tipped off, and both teams coasted to 50 plus point victories. I mean, that, that makes for a long night as a broadcaster. I hope that uh, your coaches listen to this and think about the uh, drubbings that they oh. put on presentation <laughs> when I started a couple <laughs> yeah, times. That's that true. Provide 50 points. That's true. But I was actually, this is actually a uh, high school story, and uh, I have told the coaches a few times that those were some of the longest broadcasts of my life. So, You guys are, your schools that you guys cover, I should say, are very heated rivals. You guys are 30 minutes apart. Um, they've been playing since, you guys will know the stats, but like a million years. You even have a silly trophy that you guys play for that it's you pass silly. back and forth. It's a paint bucket. It's really silly. It, how much fun is it to on rivalry days where obviously you guys are friends? It's not a hated, bitter rival, maybe with some of the parents. <laughs> but between coaches and between broadcasters, how much extra fun is that situation? Well, I think first off and uh, first and foremost, it is the best atmosphere of any games we do all year. I mean, uh, bar none. I mean, it is it, the places are packed. I mean, we opened up at Valley, uh, you know, this year on a Thursday night, and it was you know the, the there was standing room only around the standing room only, you know, around the field. I mean, and it was it, a Thursday before school; it really was in full swing in Jamestown, so it was. Well, you know, people weren't sure what the crowd was going to be like, but I, I, kids came back to school early, I think, to to see those games. Yeah, it was it was unbelievable. I mean, what we've you know what we've done and the atmosphere we get between those two schools, whether it's football, whether it's basketball, um, whether it's baseball. I mean, it is it is a fun fun atmosphere, and that that's the thing I think that sticks out to me the most. Um, obviously, you know, I've been in the rivalry a little longer than Joel has. I'm going on, you know, six seasons. Joel just is on his first. So it's a little more in my blood, I think, right now than Joel's. So we'll get him there. Um, but uh, there'll be some there'll be some, some animosity here. Yeah, in the you know, and, and I mean, I, you know, I got to be a part of the rivalry with the, with Dakota State and Dakota Wesleyan. And, and to come from a team in the same conference that you're covering, uh, to cover, you know, you cover a team in the same conference, 
and you go to a team in that same conference, it's really it's it's interesting to 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 be on the other side of that. And um, you know, I was a year ago this time. I wasn't. I don't. I guess I wasn't rooting against VCSU because DSU really wasn't playing anymore. But uh, anytime VCSU played DSU, I was cheering for DSU. And now. You know, it's the other way around, so that's that's kind of an interesting part to have it. But uh, it makes it fun. You know, it makes it makes your broadcasting more fun. It makes the games more fun. It, it's it, it's fun to be around. Sometimes it, it's not a great experience to travel all those miles and go sit in a gym where uh, it's you and the other broadcaster, and sometimes it seems that's about it. But we never have that problem when it's Vikings, Jimmy. Yeah, that's not a problem. <laughs> Is that maybe an advantage? We've talked a lot about the the positives of small market radio and small rival not small huge rivalries like that huge rivalries in small towns in small schools they almost mean more than maybe they would in a bigger city or a bigger market well i think if you're talking you know you're not going to get you know 2000 people you know standing room only if you're two schools in a in a huge city i mean it, you need the the community involvement and that's you know that's where you know, being a Jimmy is part of the community in Jamestown. Being a Viking is part of the community in Valley City. You're going to get, you know, fans to travel over uh, from both venues. And and next year, I know, to end the basketball season, Valley City State comes to Jamestown's new arena, and I guarantee you that there's going to be standing room only close to 3,000 people in that, in that building that evening just because it's going to be the first opportunity to see the building for a lot of the Valley City people and then, of course, the rivalry. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think if I, if I could – pick a, a top 10 games that I've gotten to broadcast over the course of, of my career, I would say that it, it's rivalries. It, it, any, Especially when the two teams are good or the two teams are competitive and, you know, from, from Battle Lake and Ashby to, to Jamestown and uh, Valley City and, and Dakota State and Dakota Wesleyan um, to uh, ORR and Chester to, to some of those other schools that were rivals, um, it, it definitely is, is, is such a fun experience. And uh, teams get up and they play those games and and uh, they fight hard and the fans are there and those are the ones that people remember you for. If you do a good job with the rival game, I think you pretty much uh, cement yourself well in a community you're living in. And uh, Joel and I are going to get another little crack at rivalry when the uh, high school football teams renew their rivalry that was long standing and was snapped off for about t- f- 10, 15 years in there. I know you guys like to make little bets and wagers between each other for these for these games which i didn't make joel pay up on the last one i it's on, yeah. what, what are some of the fun ones that you guys have done oh i think the first time we did we did a point system and we had our categories and that was for the first time for the paint bucket and i ended up winning and steve bought me food and I, that was what we did and then we stepped it up for the second time on the paint bucket i think uh the loser would get a, a picture of the person holding the paint bucket to put in their office and had to be there until the next time they played and then for a week, that picture had to be the profile picture on Twitter. Um, I was all, you know, the, the the Vikings lost the paint bucket round two, and I was all ready to go, and I'm waiting by the, everyone's taking their picture with the paint bucket, and I'm waiting for Steve, and I text Steve, I'm like, where are you, where are you? And Steve's like, oh, I already left, I didn't know you were waiting for me. So Steve hasn't made me pay up, and that's on him, but I, I know. you know, I'm, I'm willing to pay up on, on that bet if, if the uh, the opportunity came. And it will yet. I so I'm gonna I'm gonna go into Josh Cattell's office one of these days. And just snap a pick of me in the paint bucket. <laughs> um, I guess what do you guys both do to get better? You know, at this point in our careers, we've mentioned, you know, we like where we are, but you don't necessarily want it to be your final stop. But the reason we're here is because we have improvement still to do. What do you guys do to get better? I, it starts with surrounding yourself with the right people and, and you run across those guys. You screwed up bad. <laughs> now, now that I look around this room, I think I made a big mistake there, but um, the first guys I met in radio, and this is not a knock on them, but we've all crossed these guys as they've been in these small towns and, and they've been broadcasting the same teams for 30 years and, and they've had one or two jobs in broadcasting and um, you know, they've, they've never, it's not that they don't love what they do and then not that they're not doing a good job to serve their community, but they don't aspire. They're, they're where they're at and they're where they want to be. And, and I can honestly tell you the three of us in this room, if we never improved a lick better, I think we'd be fine where we're at and we can get jobs in this industry at, at this level of broadcasting. But, you know, it, it started when I got my second job in radio. The sports director at, at KJM at the time was John Wolf, and we were at, kind of split the duties. But he was really geared at trying to get better. He had just graduated from TCU, and this was his first radio job. And he pushed me to get better. And then um, 
you know, I, I met you, Logan, and you were really focused on getting better, and we had so many conversations about what to do to improve and where we wanted to be, and, and then meeting Steve, who wants to get better and wants to aspire to get better, and uh, J.J., who's a mutual friend of ours, J.J. Johnson, and uh, you, you surround yourself with people, John Thayer, there's another one, uh, guys who are always looking to get better, always looking to put in the work, and always looking to have those conversations of, uh, hey, I did this this one game, what do you think of this, or hey, I want to swap. I want to swap uh, games with you, and you tell me what you think of this and what I can do better here. And um, hey, I'm really struggling here. How, how do I get better? And uh, I think that that's where it starts. I think a lot of honesty as to what your strengths and, and uh, you know a lot of facing truth that you don't want to have to face sometimes. It it starts with the willingness to just want to improve your craft and and improve getting better and surrounding you with people who want to push you and 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 want to keep you motivated and keep you on focus because it's it's a long season in in the winter. Um, you know, I'm, I'm especially in North Dakota, especially in North Dakota. Yeah. You know, the, the weather itself makes it a long winter, but that winter sports season, you know, you're doing two, three, four basketball games a week. I should say you're doing two, three, four nights of basketball games a week. A lot of us, the, you know, for, for where the level we, we broadcast at, a lot of those are double headers. So you're, you're putting in a lot of work and sometimes it's, um, you have those days where it's just get to the place and get ready to broadcast the game and, and, and do the best you can, kind of fly by the seat of your pants. But uh, to have people keep you focused and keep you wanting to get better and, and get to where you're at, I think it, the community, it starts with the community and it, and it kind of pushes you to, to get better in every other aspect. You know, for me, my thing is I try to, you know, a lot of things that Joel said, just about, you know, having guys in your life that push you to, to want to get better. But the thing that I have started to do really just recently is to listen to my games not from necessarily a critical standpoint but from a, of a point of okay as a, if I was a listener if I was listening to this game on the air what's missing or like what like what don't I hear that I you know that I need to hear and you know there are some hard truths that you have to face sometimes especially early in your career about you know okay what do I need to do to get better and sometimes and if you're not honest with yourself that's where you know that's where the problem's going to be you, you've got to be honest with yourself and and you got to have people in your life that are willing to be honest with you about things that you need to do so I, I just think it's you know it, it's about figuring out what people need to hear in your broadcast and and try to listen to it more not necessarily critical of yourself yes you have to be at some at some point but it, at a certain time when you get to a point where you know, like like Joel said, the three of us are in a pretty good spot in our career with our where we feel pretty good about our play-by-play. But you just got to figure out what your what the little things you're missing that a listener wants to hear. I'm curious if you guys have had a similar moment to this because I feel like a lot of us who get into this business, obviously it's an ego business. You have to think that you're at least capable of being good, if even if you're not very good at that point. But at some point, you have to accept that you're not very good. Uh, to get better and I know that out of college and when I was in Denison nobody would tell me hey you suck you need to do better at this it, it took me a while to get somebody in my life who a knew what they were talking about and would give honest critical feedback and to point out and it was kind of eye-opening at the time when when I've gone back and listened to it and thought that I was that I was good and not understanding why I wasn't getting calls for jobs. Did you guys have a moment like that? Well, I got a uh, I got a critique once from uh, the voice of the Wisconsin Badgers, Matt LePay, and uh, while there was a lot of good things that he said and things that made me feel like I was on the right path, there were things that you know he was honest to me about that I needed to improve on. You know, there was you know some football thing. Well, I had him do football and. Um, there were some down and distances, things that I needed to, you know, clean up. There was just some, you know, some things that, uh, that I didn't even realize that I wasn't doing right, that somebody of his level, you know, heard and, and understood that I needed to get better. So that was kind of where I, I had the moment where I didn't necessarily, you know, say that I, I felt that I sucked, but I felt that there was, there was some positive things that I was doing. But I needed just to to improve on a on a on a wide variety of things if I wanted to continue my career. I think my second job in radio, a lot of things were, were really pointed out to me, and then there was those moments where it was like, you know, maybe I'm not as as good as this as I think, and um, you know, it, it's 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 hard sometimes because the people in the community or or the people you work with, uh, the expectation is is different. Um, 
you're probably doing better than the average person would who walked in to go broadcast a football, basketball, baseball, whatever it is. You know, you'd be better than the average person, but you want to be better than the people who are doing the same thing as you. So um, it, it, it did take some time to really get, you know, my second job is when I really started getting those like, hey, I'm not as good as this thing as I think I am. And, and also, you know, it's important to, to, to think, too, is I'm, I'm not as bad as I think I am. There's days when I do games and I say, you know, that I just didn't have it. You know, just like the athletes will say, they will tell you, I just didn't have it today, and and, and I tried to pull it back in, and I, then I thought I was getting it, and I wasn't. And, uh, you know, you you leave the game and you feel crappy about it, and then someone tells you, hey, you did a good job with that game the other day. And, you know, you consider the source sometimes, but, um, you, you know, I think it's as important, too, is to to, to celebrate the, the things that you're good at and uh, to remember that it's not all bad, but... Uh, even now, I go back and listen to games a couple days removed, and, and I think I did a great job, and it's like, uh, no, I really didn't. I, and I didn't do a horrible job, but I could have done a better job. What I've found here just doing this interview is that it is harder to interview people you know and come up <laughs> with things to talk about than it is with people who you know, you can read about and just do research on. Is there anything either of you guys want to talk about that I haven't brought up? Oh man, uh, <laughs> I don't, I, I don't think so. Uh, I think you've done a great job here, Logan. You've really come up with some good, thought-provoking questions for us. Well, that's uh, that's why I get the big sponsorships here from the scenic comfort in Sioux City <laughs> to do this podcast. But uh, um, I'm just trying to think what else we should talk about here. We you were at about an hour. It's probably time to wrap it up. So. We will do that here quickly. I give. We got. We said we got one last opportunity to, to get real here. If you want to, <laughs> if you want to get down and get real on some questions. Yeah. You, what would you like me to get real I about? I don't know. <laughs> you know, it, it is. It is. It is always a, a cool experience to to sit down and, and interview people that you know because uh, there's things that you don't know about them, and I think that that's uh, that's always kind of cool when you get those opportunities. Well, the other thing I found is that being an interviewee when you're used to being the interviewer is hard. <laughs> yeah, it's it's definitely different. I mean, I'm not used to being on this side of it very often. I mean, other than, you know, the couple times I was on your show, you know, you used to have in Aberdeen, and um, I don't usually get to be on this side of it very often. So it's fun. I, I enjoy it. How would people get a hold of each of you if they had any questions or wanted to follow up? Uh, well, you can on Twitter uh, at Steve Linsmo, or you can always email me Steve L at newsdakota.com. Uh, same thing, Joel at newsdakota.com. We work for the same company. Uh, my Twitter handle is Real J Antle. You can get a hold of me there. That's uh, Real J A N T O L. You know, that's what we should bring up. Why do you use a uh, an on-air name? Yeah, I've, always, I've never really you. understood that. I'll, I'll explain that. Yeah, you know, surprise to some people, Joel Morgan isn't my real name. It's actually Joel Antle. And uh, what what happened was is, uh, you know, I wasn't one of those people in college. Guys always thought of these, like, oh, this is going to be my cool on-air name, like Blaze Steele or Theodore Black or something. I was like, <laughs> I was like, one you know, that sounds like it should be in porn. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you know, you said it, not me. But uh so I got my first job in Fergus Falls, and I was content being Joel Antle on air, and, and you know that's my name. And uh, they said, well, we need you to pick an on-air name because it's kind of company policy that people don't use their real last names. It's a safety thing. I'm not 100% sure. I didn't think I was that important. I still don't think I'm that important. But um, they they said, well, I couldn't think of a name, and they gave me a list. And they said, these, are, these would be good radio names. And uh, one of them was Martin. And uh, at the time, I was a big Russell Martin fan when he was the catcher for the Dodgers. And I said, "Oh, I like that. We'll go with we'll go with the uh, with Martin." And and they didn't hear me. And they said, "Morgan, okay, you're going to be Joel Morgan." And wow, I did I, not know this. And story. and I took it with me when I went to South Dakota. And and I got when I got the job in Valley, I said, "You know, I think it's time uh, to put that to rest." And and you know, I've been in the area long. You know, I've been in that area, and people know me. And uh, I'm going to become Joel Antle. And um, I, I show up and uh, uh, Tim Ose, the general manager, uh, forgot my real last name. So he just started calling me that. And uh, Mac had known me and Mark Potts, the SID, had known me and Steve had known me as that. So uh, I really didn't have a choice this, this last time around. So uh, I think Joel Antle is, or Joel Morgan is, is probably uh, going to be with me until I, I decide to pull a John Mellencamp and, and change it. But, um, you know, and it, it is kind of it, it's kind of fun sometimes because um, – 
you know, people see your real name and I got my credentials from the NAIA and they want to see your driver's license. And, uh, I hope it wasn't expired. It it wasn't expired, but it's, it's for, I'm picking up credentials for Joel Morgan. My name is Joel Antle and you got to explain it sometimes. And, uh, yeah, you know, it's just kind of stuck with me and, uh, you know, it's kind of cool. You know, it's kind of cool in that sense to, to have that name and, uh, believe it or not, you know, A-N-T-O-L, people find ways to mess up that last name too. So, uh, Morgan, it just seems to be a little bit easier. Well, I get asked all the time why why I don't have one. <laughs> uh, people in Jamestown, because the guy I replaced, Mark McKenzie, that's not his real name. And so people always ask me, well, why don't you, why don't you have a radio name? I'm like, why do I need one? Like, I don't understand <laughs> why I need one at all. So um, I just, yeah, I never, never used one. So I have, I'm going to tell this story. I'm not going to put a name attached to it, but I have a good friend of mine in the radio business who uses a radio name, and he got a DUI and got taken in, and no one, um, we had to, like, find information on him, and nobody knew what his real name was, so we couldn't go and, like, find him in the jail to to bail him out <laughs> because we didn't know... Uh, I actually did. It was other people at our radio station. I didn't answer the phone call. I was sleeping. But um, so there are some advantages to a uh, to a false name. Have you ever? Obviously not uh, to that extreme. But has there ever been a situation where you're glad maybe someone didn't know your real name? I, I think so. I, I think it is kind of nice because you know, for me, Twitter is more of my professional. Uh, you know, it, it's where I get scores. It's where I put sports stories. But it is kind of nice to have that little that little cushion when it comes to other facets of social media like Facebook and stuff. And I'm not doing anything crazy on there or anything. But um, you know, I I I have a, a kind of a weird sense of humor sometimes, as you guys know. So I, you know, some people might not find stuff I find funny as funny. You know, so it is kind of nice to get that little that little separation. I think. Um, you know, the goal is to not get in trouble and have situations like that one come up. But it is kind of nice to, to, to get a little bit of a separation, I think. Well, if anybody has made it this far, I want to invite you to subscribe to the podcast if you're not already, either on iTunes or Stitcher or now on Google Play Music and probably pretty much anywhere else that you can find podcasts, you can find it. You can also subscribe to the email list on the webpage at saythedamnscore.com and you can follow me on Twitter uh, radio underscore Logan or Facebook.com slash say the damn score. And also, I want to just ask anyone who's made it this far, you probably like this podcast. So please give us a rating on iTunes if you're listening on iTunes. It helps us to move up in the rankings, so to speak, and helps more people gain exposure to this podcast. That's it for the podcast today. I'm Logan Anderson. Next time you guys are on the air, remember to remember to say the damn score just a little bit more.